Good evening. Welcome to the Borgo Pass Horror Podcast. Enter freely and of your own will. In this episode, you may find many strange things, for the films to be discussed are old, and they have many memories. So, be there. Be there. Greetings, guys. Welcome back to the Bogo Pass Horror Podcast. As always, from Boston, this is Scott. As always, from Los Angeles, this is Jim. And Jim, we could talk about how difficult it was, if you want to, to record this episode. We started um, trying to record this like two or three times, right? And it's It was a total fail. We tried. Typically, we record on Zoom, and Zoom wasn't working for a couple of reasons. We tried a couple of other, couple of other avenues, but God, thankfully, thankfully, we're back. And yes. I kind of... It, it, It'd be funny if, if we'd had this much trouble trying to record like a big episode, like a mummy or, or you know, one, the old dark house or something like that. But the fact that it's for this, we've you tried beat, so hard to, to record for this particular film is really pretty funny. Yeah, you beat me to it. We put a lot of effort in for Mad Doctor of Market Street. And I don't <laughs> want to I don't want to crap on the film whatsoever because, I'm, you know, it is what it is. And we're completists. Like we said, we hit the highs, we hit the lows. Um, but we put a lot of effort and a lot of, I felt a lot of stress in, uh, you know, agile to make this thing happen. So we finally made it, we finally made it work. So here we go. Well, now it became like a point of pride. Like, no, we are doing mad doctor of market street. <laughs> we're not, we're not letting the mad doctor of market street defeat us. Okay, he's not going to, he's not going to make us mad. He's not going to. Right. So I did have a lot of tequila in preparation for this because oh, okay. we're going to have, we're going to have a little fun with this one. I hope I'm the de- I'm the designated podcaster. Obviously, I'm yes. I'm stone cold sobered right now, so well, I'll keep us on the road. Hopefully, <laughs> unlikely. So I know. So this is 1942, and um, I mean, of course, we see Lionel Atwell, and we you know huge Lionel Atwell fans, and um, God, I don't know when we can get right into it, Jim. Um, this one here, this everything. There's not a lot about this film, and it was you know kind of recorded it was released as a double feature with the wolfman back in you know 42 43 and then largely forgotten until you know like the late 80s or even like the early 90s uh, that, i can't that imagine would have a, that would have been a re-release of the wolfman then right in 42 like wolfman comes out in 41 and then they re-release it i guess and then, as a double feature with and, and tag this onto it yeah That's this right. is one of those hour-long roughly uh, uh films universal would do is like a like a b backup to which is where which is i think where the term b picture comes from right it's it's that it was the, the a picture that they screened would have been wolfman and then this was the b picture the secondary follow-up i, I don't know yeah start with the cartoons and then do the a then the b and maybe end what, with the cartoon what was the was it did the theater's See, it's weird because Universal, we're going to get into a whole tangent here. Universal owned the theaters, right? So what was the point of doing a double feature? How, how do you make any more money since in those days people would just pay one thing, go and they could sit in the, the theater all day if they wanted to? You think it one, one ticket price, maybe concessions? I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I guess so. Maybe that's it. I mean, having, having managed a, a movie theater here in Los Angeles, uh, I, I managed the Egyptian uh, theater in Hollywood for a few years. I can say that, that it's true. That is where you make all your money. Those ups, those seven dollar cokes and uh, ten dollar right, popcorns, man. and back then they would have been seven cents and twelve cents or whatever they were. Sarsaparilla. <laughs> we always talk about sarsaparillas and beef jerky or whatever they were. <laughs> nice serving in, in the thing. So anyway, 
So we can, he's we, going crazy for Mad Doctor of Market Street. Yeah, the Mad Doctor of Market Street, and this is probably the lowest of the low budgets. Like not the again, not the not the worst film. Um, not I mean, but, definitely, all, it, yeah. I think it ranks up there as one of the lowest budgeted films ever. And you can you can see why. I mean, when you watch it, you know, Lana Lowell plays you know always like kind of the creepy, slimy, um, you know, just you know, doctor scientist kind of. <laughs> You know, always trying to, always trying to prove himself. He's not. He's never like that alpha character. He's kind of like you know riding on somebody's yeah. coattails, and he's kind of that kind of that same role. Like he's you know not so much riding on the coattails of say you know Ludwig Frankenstein, but he's again he's trying to trying to you know prove a theory, right? So we well, get- well this is, this is forty two, and he's really firmly set in his post. Uh, uh, man-made monster, uh, mad scientist epoch of his career, right? I mean, where he just, uh, uh, I don't want to call it stereotyped. It's it just more like he had a speciality and it was, and it was this kind of deranged, it's not really even a mad scientist. He's just like a deranged, amoral scientist. He played that guy a lot. Yeah, I mean, this is right after the whole sex scandal, um, yes. and we won't get into it too deeply, unless you really want to, Jim. But anybody who's listening to this, you can Google Lionel Atwell. Um, you know some of the t- some of the debacle, the the issues he, he got into in the early forties, but it absolutely hurt he, his his stock it was quality. A, a legal setback. It's also after his son died in World War II. Yeah, unfortunately, and this yeah. you know, there's actually a couple of pretty nice articles about his son. Who, yeah, he was. Mm. Um, died and there's some stories actually of, of Atwell in court during this time um, and he would wear like the black ribbon in honor of his son and um, some some cool stories for anyone that wants to get into it but yeah he unfortunately went from you know probably 10 years prior to being uh, you know pretty damn near an, an A-list you know yes. actor celebrity getting those media roles to now exactly you know Universal Hollywood almost trying to usher him out the door and you know unfortunately he's a talented Less than thankful. Yeah, this this was de- this is definitely not this is definitely made not at the greatest moment in the actor's life that we can definitely say for that for sure. I think that's fair. That's absolutely yeah. fair. So, um, I, I I think a lot of skill went into the the making of this film as as it does any film. I mean, any, any film you see, even the ones you don't like, look, pe- talented people worked on those films, and maybe they didn't come out in a way that a person enjoys as much as another person. But you know, talented people work on these things. That said, it does it does feel like it's a it's a bit of an afterthought as a film. It does feel it feels like it was almost cobbled together from extra parts of other films, right? It it's very all over the place and 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 um uh not schizophrenic. It just it just doesn't feel like the film itself has quite an identity. There's first of all the the title of the Mad Doctor of Market Street, we're we're physically on market street for about the first eight minutes of the film or six minutes. Right. And then we're, we're on a boat and then we're on an Island. Right. It's, it's a, but, but it's a, it's a great title with there's the alliteration of mad and market. It's awesome. I saw mad doctor. I'm like, I'm in. And then, yeah, it reminded yeah. me of like any Friday, the 13th fans, like Jason goes to Manhattan and then you find out Jason's in Manhattan for like 10 minutes. Right. So exactly. This is kind of the same thing. So none, doc- none of that time on actually Friday, the 13th, as far as I know. Yeah. Right. No <laughs> Wednesday, the 12th. I don't know. In Manhattan being um, yes. Vancouver or something. Yeah, exactly. So, yes, the films lie to us anyway. OK, moving on, moving into the film. Let's uh, let's let's talk about uh, the, the the usual suspects here. 
Well, I know, I mean, obviously Lionel Atwell, the only one I really recognized um, for actors was Ann Nagel, who, of course, Anne we've Nagel. seen a, a couple of you know, a few things. Man-Made Monster, of course, one of our favorites with, of course, Lionel Atwell. Very, very small part on, on Ann Nagel's part, right? She she just plays the dude's thing. So so I'll, I'll get us going with the story. So we, we start off, we're kind of in a, in a on a rainy uh, day on the back lot at <laughs> Universal. And... Um, this younger guy who looks a little sketchy um, goes into the uh, the doctor's office of this of this guy who's played by Lionel Adwell and um, Lion, uh, uh, and the guy's name is Doctor Benson and Ralph Benson and Ralph Benson is going to pay this guy a thousand dollars to let him experiment on him and uh, our young fella here he needs the money he's kind of down and out so he he's going to say yes to whatever. Um, you know that this doctor says says he wants to do to him he kind of just i don't know if he trusts him but he needs the money so hey whatever you know um yeah and, i mean he mentions too like he's very skeptical he's like if something happens to me make sure my wife gets right. this money so gets he's gonna his beneficiary yeah right it's almost like a willie loman thing right i mean he's worth more dead than alive almost yeah 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 i kind of laughed at the beginning so immediately like you said jim you took us in this rainstorm and the first sign we see is market street ice cream parlor I don't yes. know if you remember that. <laughs> I'm like, cool, we're opening up an ice cream parlor. And he just, of course, walks by and goes into like this basement apartment of this Dr. Ralph Benson. But mm-hmm. uh, a lot of the, you know, the, the original writer of this and the, and the director both came from Monogram, which is like Poverty Row Studios. So this is like Universal, I think, starting to like, we're also sort of starting to get into the downslope of Universal horror, uh, you know, for a bit. And then it, it rallies a bit towards the end of the 40s. Um, but but these are getting these cheaper kind of films. And also, like, I think a lot of they probably lost a lot of crew and a lot of uh, talent to to the war as well. So they're they're operating on the I think they're sort of absorbing uh, upwards from the lower, smaller studios kind of into 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 their their uh, their crew and stuff. So, yeah. Yeah. To your point, I mean, this does feel and we'll get into it like a total hodgepodge like a you know a, a a blanket made of just like patchwork like it's, it starts out we have like this like you know this mystery and then turns in like a crime drama mm-hmm. and then we're sailing across the seas into you know new zealand and it's yeah it's it really has a in hard the, time to determine the- if there's anything kind of actually miraculous involved in this film or if it's just kind of a crime it i'll tell you what it almost reminds me of more of a, a uh we just did the episode on strange confession right the for uh with with livio for uh for the um the inner sanctum series that they sure. did around this kind of around this era. And this feels like it doesn't quite fit in there, but this feels more closer to that than it does say son of Frankenstein. Absolutely. I mean, nothing supernatural, right? I mean, not this is really supernatural in, in son of Frankenstein, but right. yeah, again, it's more of like a, a, a mystery, a police mystery drama. Yeah, um, yeah. Kind of a pot boiler, but uh, pot yeah. Boiler. So, so um, it's not, it, it, I, I've had trouble quite discerning what, Dr. Benson's kind of speciality is, but it, it has something to do with, with more or less putting someone into, into like a death-like state and then bringing them back. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he's re- uh, like a death-like state for a while and then bringing them back. Yeah. Like this regeneration. Like, I don't think he's trying to bring necessarily the dead back to life, but yeah, it's, it's a little bit, it's a, I mean, ultimately we do get there where that is his motive, but it's a little yeah. bit, you know, if someone's maybe comatose, um, 
I, I don't know. It's true. Like they don't right. really flesh it out. Like what are his motives for doing this? Is he a you know medical doctor who lost someone to? I, I just I don't know. They didn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think it. I think now you would talk about uh, these people being in a coma, and I don't know if they even use the word coma in the in the film. And I'm not sure if coma was a generally used or understood term at the in 1942 either i i'm not a that's outside my realm of speciality it does has nothing to do with frankenstein um but uh <laughs> and that's that's what's outside of my realm um exactly. but but also like i think it would, it would apply to like someone who would be in a vegetative state i guess you know now or, or unresponsive yeah, or maybe somebody like so. yeah exactly so you said you know went through like head trauma or something it's whatever yeah, it is yeah. it's just this regeneration so brain dead or something yeah yeah exactly put him um, out yeah yeah and and it doesn't you know and and while and we'll we'll get into the plot here in a second obviously but while i think we just did yeah yeah that's basically <laughs> so i think that's yeah. a plot and we pretty the much end. End. thank you we're pretty uh-huh. much end right here yeah <laughs> roll credits uh while the the whatever the the main doctor guy's name in in mad monster or uh, man made monster and some of the other universal films they have this kind of um altruistic uh, uh motive like the betterment of mankind they're going to save people and stuff like that i'm not sure dr benson's we're not very clear on what Dr. Benson's goal is. Is he, does he think this will save lives? This will, whatever. Does he think this will make me rich and famous and well-respected? I don't know. Or, or does he think this will make me powerful enough to like get what I want or something like that? He, he's, I guess my point is, I don't, I don't feel like he's morally, um, uh, 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 has like a moral, uh, a battle going on with him between good and evil. I just, he's just sort of a dink. <laughs> I'm right, a, no, he's, he's like sort a, of a jerk, right? <laughs> we we learn more about him on the island, where he, like yeah. literally he comes out and says he wants to be like the greatest man ever, or yeah, like yeah. these broad statements. Like it's and it's it is it's totally about ego. He probably couldn't yeah, care yeah, less. Okay, yeah. Let's just say that he's yeah he's just an egotist, and he thinks this is going to make him a big deal. <laughs> Though I do he's like not, Dink. He he is a Dink as well. Is it dingling? Yeah. <laughs> um, so anyway. Uh, we we have a couple. I mean, you know, uh, Scott, guys, Scott and I are always, always partial to like these kind of laboratory scenes in in Universal films. And one thing I I love in Universal is they Universal was obsessed with the chloroform POV. <laughs> that oh, it's you know we see it in in uh, what's it's with John Carradine I think. Um, uh, we see it a couple times of like it's like your point of view that the point of view of the person on the table and then the, the, the gas mask or the, in this paper, the cut, in this case, the cotton with chloroform is, is coming down over right at the camera. And you're like, Oh, that's unsettling. Yeah. If you want first person, like if you, if you ever want to see what it felt like to be chloroformed by Lionel, Lionel Atwell, Atwell. <laughs> this is your movie. Cause you can pretend you're laying on the gurney and Lionel Atwell is going to come right into your face. You can even count his nose hairs and he's going to put you out, dude. Boy. So, uh, Unfortunately, this experiment does not go well. It certainly does not. And I uh, mean, the first part of it goes well, right? Where he, he he kills the guy. The part where he's supposed to bring him back doesn't. The the all important second step doesn't go well. That's true. Yeah, it's a t- it's a two step process. Number one is killing him, and number two is bringing him back. So yeah, he right. nailed the first part. <laughs> he got, he's fifty percent on. Nailed it. Yeah, it's a but with, without the the other the back half of the fifty percent, obviously it's it, it's it's not very much good. Um, Meanwhile, I mean, he does seem like, oh, crap, like this. I thought that was going to work and it didn't. Um, meanwhile, and uh, this this young man's wife, I'm blanking on the character's name that that he, he oh, has Saunders. Saunders. Yeah. Saunders wife, who is played by Ann Nagel, who we, who we know so well from, you know, Man Made Monster, um, has 
gone the cops and and is is bringing them to this doctor's thing because I think I guess she knows what he's doing right and she doesn't trust the doctor. Not at all. No, and I don't and think so- he, yeah I don't think Saunders was all that hot about going here either. But yeah, told his wife this is where I'm going to go and maybe even tipped her off saying hey if something happens or you don't hear from me in an hour or two you probably should send the cops because something's yeah. up and and she does so yeah we've got the you know two or three cops come in and. By that time, we see um, you know Dr. Ralph Pence and Baby basically jumping out the window to to hightail it out of this. <laughs> he jumps this out the window. I know he, he looks so like he's just like oh, gotta cheese it. It's the it's the coppers. Um, yeah. Yeah. So so he's out, uh, and he makes his getaway, and Nagle comes and 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 finds that her husband Saunders is is gone. Um, they they put out like an APB, I guess, on 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 Dr. Benson, <laughs> and the APB is like it's like be on the lookout. Suspect is five foot nine and overweight. <laughs> they must have said something about a beer too. I, I'm sorry, five foot nine and heavy set, which is yeah, like, and heavy set. Did they have to? Did they have to put that in the film? That's like, kind of mean. Like, it's like hum, look for look for Humpty Dumpty with like a, a doctor's you know. Not only is he not very tall, he's also a little, <laughs> little stout. In the world. Oh, five foot nine and heavy set. That there, there's the title of his uh, his biography: Five foot nine and heavy set. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but this is the part where it is does seem like a kind of a crime thriller. Like, oh, we got like a little montage, and we got neat Dutch angles of of the police and the coppers, and, yeah, you know, well, this, the stadies and the the t- taxi cab guys here and everything. Well, this took me right to like Black Friday with Kyle and Lugosi yeah. and like a crime thriller, right? I mean, this would have been a perfect you know scene right out of that. It's almost framed the same way, um, but yeah, not Again, so this, much, this, not, this, not quite, this, not quite the film Black Friday is. Right, right, right. But this does fall into that same problem that black a film like black friday kind of does and then also what we're talking about with uh, inner sanctum is that you know universal the brand is known so well as a horror brand um but by this time it's 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 ben pivar running a lot of stuff over here in in the horror department and stuff and he came over from crime and we see like even as you know up, up to uh 46 or so when when we have uh house of horrors we see a lot of like crime thriller contamination we could call it into the horror stuff that the universal is doing so well and they kind of it's always like a, a give and take between the two one's more horror one's more crime one you know but they do blend them pretty well but they do always sell them as horror films kind of the posters look like a horror film right they don't look like a like a like a crime thriller as much not at all i mean there's definitely this the brand there's definitely this you know this period between the 30s and say the 50s of sci-fi where it is it's all these the newspaper reporters and the cops and there's yeah. this you know debauchery and um you know there's yeah. the, the game is afoot let's go find you know the, the man right. on the run here right. um well they were doing uh you know uh, uh the sherlock holmes you know films then and, and which you know after a point the sherlock holmes film got the era got bumped up to contemporary right where sherlock holmes is right. like in 1940s you know uh, uh, culture instead of 1880s or whenever the Conan Doyle stories was set. Um, but they, they, so they established back to the film, they established that, you know, they're watching the airports and everything. And the cops are, are all on the lookout for this guy who, who, you know, this doctor who's escaped. And then we cut to a cruise ship or a, an ocean, I guess it's an ocean liner, right? Um, yeah. The SS paradise. Yeah. Sailing yes. to sailing to New Zealand and right. somehow he somehow Dr. Rolf Benson, who's now calling himself Graham, Got himself on the boat, and you know, I guess to change his identity or to change his look, he basically had shaved. So he, he had kind of a, a rough looking beard when he was yes. Doctor Benson, and uh, now he's clean cut Graham. 
sailing yeah, to New Zealand for some reason. Instagram, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, getting out of town and headed, headed across the Pacific. Sure. Uh, it's this very glamorous boat. I mean, it cuts to the scene where you know, there's din- dinner and dancing and all these, everyone's all dressed up and he's sitting there with his cigar in a corner, kind of just quietly watching everything, you know? Yeah. And there's a, oh God. And the thing that kind of, um, not really bum me out about this film, but I really found it hard to bond with any of these other actors and not, and not that there's anything wrong with them. Like we had like Red Hogan, who's the boxer, yes. like the, yes. the the wrestler. And he's like the stereotypical, like just kind of like the New York type meathead. So he's kind of memorable, but like um, a Patricia Wentworth as a mother and daughter who's on this boat, mother and, and, yes. and Margaret Wentworth. Um, uh, there's then, a couple of other characters, the, Jim. And then uh, there's, yeah, the steward, Jim. Um, I, don't, I just had such a hard time. He's like a, yeah, I guess he's a steward. I don't know what. Yeah. Yeah. I know. That's just me. Like, I just had such a hard time. Maybe just because I was, it, the, the movie never really gripped me, but I'm always, I was like, you know, who are they? Why are they here? What's their purpose? Rather than it's it just being on a, on, on a boat ride. Like, I, I don't know. I just, yeah, this, it's, you know, it's kind of this goofy collection of, of, of people, you know, um, the, the mom. So, so the, yeah. So there's a, a young woman named Patricia Wentworth and her mom is, uh, What's your mom's name? Uh, Margaret Wentworth. Margaret, yeah. Uh, Margaret's funny. She's she's a little daffy. I mean, the, absolutely. Yeah. Patricia's pretty smart and clever, and and the mom you, is not as definitely goofy. Yeah, she's yeah. vacuous. Yeah, she had, had, had a few highballs when she once she got on the uh, the SS yeah. You, you, you get the feeling, and it, and it follows through the the the. the yeah, I, I, but I see what you, you mean, Scott. The, the characters are sort of thinly drawn, and they. Um, they don't really have an arc or anything like that. They just sort of, you know, like are it, the characters. Yeah. Harking back to horror Island, horror Island, where it was, you know, very similar. Like we had obviously the main, you know, the main cast the two or three, and then we had a collection of folks that had to go over the Island. I thought they did a much better job. I, I, I don't want to, oversell one, yeah, yeah. I don't want to oversell this, but a little bit of a bit. Like, I feel like I kind of like those characters were likable and they like, they each had the little arc. They like, like the two criminals, like the Bonnie and Clyde, and like you know, like the right, pirate right. dude, and um, well, if, if if the characters are going to be archetypes, they need to be stronger archetypes, I guess. So, so in Horror Island, yeah, you get like the gangster couple with you know the gun mall and and the yeah, gangster, right. and then you get like you know the 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 pirate type guy, and then you get the <laughs> the 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 seedy stepbrother or whatever, you know. Right. Uh, here, you just have like there's some rich folks and there's some folks who are not so rich, right? <laughs> There's that's there's Jim the like. you know yeah. Jim the the steward who somehow is confused why he's not allowed to dance with one of the the passengers on the ship like yeah. it, it seems like that would have been covered in his orientation but okay it's it's fine but because yeah. they obviously are going to become a him and Patricia are going to become kind of a, an item obviously uh, across uh, class barriers right yeah they're the two young attractive people on the boats of course they're going to get together course, i mean yeah. and but of course lino atwell wants wants her for himself um eventually <laughs> as we get into the thing now now the the captain and the first officer and whomever um there's a detective on the boat because they suspect that that benson has stowed a, or has gone on the boat possibly in disguise possibly uh you know under a pseudonym um so they're looking for him. And the, the first officer guy or whomever, whatever he, rank he is, the guy with the six stripes on his arm instead of three uh, is, uh, I don't know, nautical stuff. Um, they're, they're on the lookout for him and they haven't spotted him. Uh, 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 Benson's disguise as Graham's apparently is working quite well, even though he is still five foot nine and still. Exactly. 
Um, <laughs> yeah, he didn't change anything about the APB. He, he didn't, didn't lose weight, and he, he didn't, didn't lose any kind of weight. He like, didn't get still, taller, and yeah. yeah. So, I think they could have just screened everyone who's five foot nine and heavy set on the boat. But mm-hmm. okay, um, the boxer is definitely not five foot nine and heavy set, so he's out. Um, so the guys are out uh, walking around on the the exterior part of the boat. <laughs> I guess yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm constantly the stern, of the, the stern of the boat, or yeah, exactly. And and they're talking about well, you know, maybe he's on, maybe he's not, or something like that. But they are on the lookout. Um, and this <laughs> plays into something important because uh, Benson, aka Graham, wanders out on on the the thing, and uh, he hears them talking about it, and reporting and stuff. So now he knows that they're looking for him. And, and he knows this guy's a detective because I don't think everyone on the boat knows this is a detective. Now he's found this out he's, and he knows he's what, looking for him. So, uh oh. Yeah. So I guess they, they still had, I mean, they were only a couple of days into this, like, say, 10 day journey. Right. So you could see why he'd be a little bit nervous. It's not like they were just approaching New Zealand and he could maybe, you know, hide behind some cargo and sneak off the boat. He was still yes. going to be stuck with this detective for another like six, seven, eight days. Yes. So I think so he, the chances are pretty good that he, he he's might probably you know, gonna get caught. And I feel like he just, he panics. Like he's probably a smart guy. I'm assuming. Like to me, he, he, whatever. And again, he didn't. He didn't suspect anyone see, uh, to see him throwing this inspector off the side of the boat. But right. he definitely he panics. He overhears that they're looking for him. He panics, tosses the investigator overboard. But the captain or one of the crew members sees this, and then you know he's five eight and five nine and overweight. But man, he moves. He gets away from <laughs> gets away from the captain and whatever. That five foot nine overweight guy can really move. He's moving. He's like a bowling uh, ball, like fly, yeah. like rolling across the yeah. floor. He's great. So he gets away. Right. And then, but, but Jim, Jim sees like, again, a five foot nine heavy set man running away. He doesn't, <laughs> he doesn't seem close up enough to recognize him by, by face, but, but yes, he does. Um, uh, there's a, it's a good scene with Lionel. I will, um, talking to this inspector guy and he does the, the thing Lionel will does so well where he's he walks up and he's cordial and polite to him and he lights a cigarette and he, and he chats with him and he's and he's very charming but you you see just underneath that there's this eel like sliminess mm-hmm. going on that that um that the guy could could portray very well and and did quite a bit he does he's got like that little twinkle that like the little the little sneer you know um it's like snidely whiplash you know he yes. like curls his little mustache and stickers under his breath and uh, yes. you know, you know, where he, he's getting with this, but yeah, Owl's just, he's so, so good. And, right, right, right. you know, um, yeah, tosses the investigator and like kind of the goofy aunt Margaret's running around and say, you know, there's a murderer on the boat. There's a murderer on the boat and blah, blah, blah. Or then I don't know, kind of out of nowhere, there's a fire. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the, I, you know, there's, there's an idea that the, uh, the, the captain and the crew are trying to keep this on a, a little bit on the QT, but obviously once aunt Margaret finds out about it, she immediately starts talking to every single buddy she, she runs into because that's, that's her purpose, right? Including Atwell. Atwell sitting there. Yeah. yeah. And like, then, and then she walks oh, up to Graham the, and tells him. About yeah. Graham, it. by the way, by the way, sir, there's a murder on the boat. And he's like, Oh, you don't say. And he's, you know, yeah. He's a little snicker and sneer. Right. And- now, now we get, you know, Jim and Jim and, uh, and Patricia have a little bit more of a thing together. Um, but there's a, this is the first officer's Dwight, I guess. Um, he he sort of has a thing for her too, and he outranks Jim, so he sort of is uh, doing everything he can to sort of be in the way between the younger, more you know, probably of the same age as Patricia, Jim, yeah, and you know himself because he's he's got this. So so really, everybody on the boat is is except for maybe her aunt is into Patricia. 
<laughs> and you can see why there's not a lot of liquors on the boat. So she, she she's she's quite lovely. It's it's uh, Nat Pendleton, I think, is the actress's name, and she's um she she's she's got that little that spunky forties kind of thing that a lot of Universal you know leading women had and stuff. And she's she's quite um she's resourceful and clever and very brave and you know refuses to be intimidated by by Graham once you know things start going badly and stuff. Um, uh, but of course her her yeah her mom or aunt or whatever is a total dingbat so she's mm-hmm. telling everybody about it um yeah and then sort of suddenly the boat catches on fire and i i rewinded a couple of times not rewind that's 80s yeah. talk i hit my little i hit my <laughs> little button on my clicker and the dvd the blu-ray dvd player zipped back a few seconds yeah, i shuttled backwards shuttled backwards it rewind sounds so much better it, I, I love it. Yeah. I'm, I'm, anyway. So yeah, um, just this, this fire starts like out of the blue. Um, yes. So great timing, I guess for Benson, he, he needed a, he needed a little bit of a distraction where, you know, everybody was kind of looking for this, this murder type. And yeah, yeah. Oh, there, so. there's not an implication that he does it himself. Is it, is there, because it doesn't make any sense. Why would he probably set fire not. to a boat in the middle of the ocean? That, I mean, he, 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 he just got, him. he just got rid of his one threat. Right. So the last thing he probably wants is now a fire on the boat. Um, so yeah, again, another thing that's a little bit ambiguous is fire starts and I, I get the feeling, <laughs> I get the feeling universal had some really good footage of, of, a, of, a, of a boat on fire. A hundred percent. It keeps cutting to a slightly different looking, um, uh-huh. stock of a film, uh, that's possibly better shot and lit than this film. Um, uh, I'm thinking it might have been it might have been wartime footage. It might have been something they shot. Nothing in it looks like necessarily it's. I, I had the feeling it might be from a film about maybe a boat that got torpedoed by a, a U-boat or something in a wartime. You know what I mean? Um, it, it does change. The whole deck is completely different. Like it's, I mean, clearly not the same boat. Yeah. Um, they're, they're they're sort of the biggest scenes on the in the film are are the, <laughs> these scenes of the boat. being on fire and stuff so my guess is again it's like this um it's like this lego brick assembly of of a plot where in the old days when you know and you're you're releasing 25 films a year or something as a studio which is a lot more than they do now uh you're kind of looking at what assets you have in place and then sort of retroactively writing the story and i've done this too with some of my projects too where i i realized i have something in place was like well, what if what if some this happens in the film somehow? Because I know I I've got that and I can do that. So, you know, is it the best way to craft a narrative? Possibly not, but you know, hey. Uh, but you do get like suddenly the suddenly the boat's on fire and um and uh Graham, you know, Benson slash Graham is running to his his steamer chest and he's grabbing his like I guess he's got like a, a smaller suitcase. It's got all his critical stuff, including I think some medical stuff that he carries with him. Yeah, it seems like a lot of yeah, his little uh, concoctions and potions mm-hmm. and you know whatever it is to help in his regeneration. A word that you're going to keep hearing over and over again. And yeah, yeah, so it's funny, he got it's kind of, of like when he escaped, like yeah. the most probably I mean up until to this point, the most climactic scene in the film. We get this big boat, this fire. It's like all right, cool. Now we're picking yeah. up. It's like a cut scene, and you just see like five of them in a little dinghy on a beach. Right, right. So, suddenly, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. it's fast. Um, like, uh, there's a wide shot I'm looking at right now, and I just want to see if it says. Bear with me, folks. No, there's a shot of a lifeboat on fire, and the wider shot that looks like from another film, and it does not say SS Paradise. So I, that's right. definitely, I think, from something else. Now there is a great shot of the one of the 
life preservers of the SS Paradise that's on fire, which I kind of love. I, just, I love the idea of the name Paradise and it's on fire. So, right. so like Paradise kind of goes to hell. And I, I think that's kind of a fun moment. Oh, true. And yeah, if you were looking forward to seeing this film, you're going to be pissed and you're probably going to want to set fire to it as well. Like, I kind of, like, I kind of, I'm do. really working to prop the film up here. I, really, <laughs> I don't, I don't dislike the film. I think I honestly enjoyed watching this. I know I, I watched I'm, this when I first got this one set of, of like all sort of the side, you know, smaller budget yeah. universe horrors. And, uh, no, yeah, I'm, I'm glad we're talking about it because it's, Listen, I'm, I'm being a pill. I, I like this. I like horror Island. I, I would go back and watch this. Like if I'm maybe background noise or if I don't want to think too hard, I would absolutely throw this one on again. Um, but I think if horror Island had like a one bigger horror name in it, like if they, if they'd gone John Carradine or something to play the bad guy or something, I think horror Island would, would be a, a much more respected film. Yeah. This film having Lino Awa in it doesn't, it doesn't help it. It's just, well, the thing, I will it's just, agree. It's just it's it's not fun and mm-hmm. it's really it's pretty dull. Just being honest, like again, I don't it, I don't it, hate it. it. I would go back. I mean, because I do I love I love Atwell. I think yeah. everyone does pretty good like acting wise. They have their acting chops, but this is kind of dull. It's it's a long hour of film. <laughs> yes. It is. Um, it's nothing, not a whole lot happens. And yeah. um yeah, I mean that's yeah. I guess that's the worst worst thing I could say about a movie is like yeah. I found it um, kind of boring. Yeah. Um one of the one of the things that does bother me about the film is actually the fact that that I was not able to find a whole lot of information out about it. Normally, you know, I'll do an IMDb search uh, of, of a film before we start talking about it. I'll watch any kind of behind the scenes stuff that's on any of the, yeah. the discs that I have it on, and and you know, we'll we'll do like a Wikipedia and stuff just to see. Um, there's there is definitely precious little information about this film. There's a few little bits of trivia on the disc itself. Um, that, that describe it, but not, it doesn't go a whole lot. And one of the things I wish I knew was um, the location of some of these shots. Uh, I, I think it's a lot of studio work. What I'm talking about once they get to the Island, um, it's definitely a lot of studio work and backlot uh, uh, stuff. So, so universal had these little, you know, pieces of, of property on, on its backlot that would look like, um, you know, these things and stuff like that. Oh, like the lake um, from- I'm just wondering if it's something we saw in, again, in like McHale's Navy or Gilligan's Island a few years later or something like that. Yeah. I don't know where those shows were filmed, but. Certainly potentially. Uh, yeah. No, yeah. to your point, Jim, there is very, very little. I think, you know, one this film was, was, was filmed, obviously released, mm-hmm. did not great and forgotten for 40 years. 50 yes. years. Like literally like it was, you could not find this film until like, the early nineties, mid nineties. Mm. Um, yeah. It, yeah. It was released as like a shock theater thing or something like that, I think, or whatever, like on, I guess. So probably not until like the, if not, the, I'm not sure it ever came out on VHS. It might've just only come out when they did went to DVD. I, so. I, I believe it's only DVD and yeah, I may yeah. be mistaken, but I think you're absolutely right. Like I never remember seeing this on TV or seeing it in like yeah. my video store. Yeah. Ever. Um, so, but what I do like about, this is about the second half of the film is when, when they, when they end up on the Island is it, is it does. Well, I like to think of it as it's, it's like if, if, if they'd done Gilligan's Island, except instead of being like this lovable, helpful buddy, the the professor was like a psychopath. <laughs> and, and you can imagine how screwed they all like Gilligan and the professor and, and the house and everybody would have been right. <laughs> Cause if, love if the, if the, one of the smartest guys on the Island, uh, the survivors, 
has it in for you, then then it's things have a capability of going really bad. And that's kind of what happens here in the second half. I love it. What a great film. You should film that, Jim. That's a good <laughs> well, one. they already did. This is the problem. There, <laughs> it's, it's called it, Mad Dog. Make it better. Make it better. The, soci- the sociopath of Gilligan's Island. Like. Yeah, the sociopath. There you go. Um, uh, so uh, the we, we get and and it's it's impossible to not sort of cite this uh, in the latter half of the film. Is is there's a lot of uh, cultural kind of mishmashing happening here. Oh boy, um, they're, they're on the way to. Uh, to New Zealand, I don't know if they really specify as much where they they uh they, the, where the ship goes down and and what part of the world these castaway guys wash up on. It, I think the idea is it's supposed to be kind of Hawaii or like Papua New Guinea. Um, Papua New Guinea would make more sense because um, we find out that that uh, um some of these uh, islander people that they encounter on this island are cannibals, and I think. I think Papua New Guinea was one of the last strongholds of cannibalism in the uh, 20th century. But what you do end up getting is, is um, actors who I think are Pacific Islander heritage, Afri- actors who are African-American heritage, actors who are something, you know, kind of in a, in a, in a cultural mishmash of somewhere between, yeah, yeah Polynesian voodoo and and just a lot of mumbo jumbo and native americans where it's all just sort of like hammered together and stuff like that so it's 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 culturally insensitive i guess is is a good way to put it um but they're not treated as evil they're just treated as kind of ignorant and you know whatever um enough so that that uh benson slash graham is able to to uh, uh put them under his sway because what's happening is that the the chief's wife is dying uh conveniently enough let's say for 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 graham's purposes um uh and the whole tribe is in mourning they know she's dying they know all this stuff like that and so the the um <laughs> the the native tribe go and 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 rescue the, the 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 castaways bring them back to their one of their longhouse hut type things um and graham is going to prove himself to to the uh to the honors by by saving the chiefs potentially saving the chief's wife, right? Yeah. To me. So her name is Taneo, the chief's mm-hmm. wife. And, and I don't, so I think they think they mean the tribe, they think she's dying. And yes. I mean, I, to me, she's not like to me, Graham is, has no power. He has no um, ability to really, I don't think to do anything. So something, uh, maybe yeah. she just has like the flu. She has like COVID. Right. She has, she has like pneumonia has or something like that. Yeah. Right. yeah. She's so, not dying. Right. Yeah. But he, so he, has, he, he treats it like, he he sells the idea that he saved he brought Absolutely. her back from from the edge of death when really she probably was just like unconscious and he she's like <laughs> PMS but they're about to burn her they're yeah. about to like immolate her right oh, I mean, yeah. there's this whole thing and then he he manages to give her like antibiotics or some shit and 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 more or less save her Whatever and, it is. and in doing that he he is now a big deal with the uh with the tribe yeah i think that's kind of the, the agreement he has like i'll save your save your wife and you know you're not going to you're not going to burn us and eat us and as far as the tribe understands, he does. Like Graham saves right, and Teneo is within you know hours is conscious and yes. bringing Graham flowers and thanking him for you know saving her life, etc. So and Graham is all too happy to you know keep extending this facade that he is yes. you know, the, the giver of life because that morally, yeah. I mean that's that's saving all of their lives. 
but he, for him, he does. He he saves all their lives. But of course, because he's who he is, he's got um, this god complex, and it's just feeding and that feeding that ego. Of course, yeah, he finds it. So he basically gives her adrenaline. I guess I'm watching it right now. Okay, he gives her adrenaline, and he gets this crazy look on his face and stuff. And and it it does basically say. I guess he gives her smelling salts too. Um, and that and that brings her back. And of course, that's like a big deal for for the guy. So good good for him. But yeah, he, what seems like a victory. Uh, immediately turns into a way Graham has because you know there, there's two different warring motivations now bet- with between the survivors of of this this wrecked ship. Um, everybody except Graham wants to get rescued, you know, and and brought back to civilization. Graham, that's not his his desire because obviously he's he's on the run and he knows if he gets brought back, then he's going to be in trouble. So he's playing a different game and and his it's not in his interest for them to be rescued. Well, it's funny. All the survivors, when they see Benson bringing Taneo quote unquote back to life, giving him this adrenaline, then it's, they have this Eureka moment. Oh, this is Dr. Benson. This is the guy everyone's looking for. Right. They've, they, they figure it out. Yeah. Like and then, had- yeah. <laughs> not- so it's kind of interesting. Yeah. So now all of a sudden Brent Benson is, is known, but the problem is what can they do? They're on this, they're on Gilligan's Island. There's no, no communication with the outside world. And, you know, Jim, as you said, Benson is, is going to do whatever he can to keep it this way to the point that now he's burning lifeboats yes. and to the point almost threatening them. Like if they don't do, they meaning the survivors, if the survivors don't do what he says, he's going to give them up to, to the tribe because he is right. now the God of life. He's almost, you know, this, this he's looked at upon as this God by, by the tribes. So he has, we have a lot of power now on this Island. Yes. Yes. So, so now they're beholding to him and stuff. And, and so um, <laughs> there's, I just watched, I just saw the, the scene where the, where, where uh, Margaret in, in an effort to, to uh, signal the, a plane that's going overhead pulls off her dress <laughs> and she starts waving it. And, and only like after that realizes there's all these other people around <laughs> Margaret. I mean, she could get annoying, but for some reason, I mean, I like her character and thing because she's just so dumb yeah but she's, she's like like impossibly dumb but yeah. it does it does give the film at least a little bit of of, of humor because otherwise it could be very monotone yeah and that's actress una miracle plays um aunt margaret yeah. she is fun she's she's she's, fun. she's a she's a bright spot in this movie yeah she's i i know her from other stuff but i can't i can't cite what uh what she's in I, everybody on the on when we post this episode guys on the facebook page if you want to Talk, let's talk about her a little bit and 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 uh and share with everybody like some of the stuff she did because i know she did good things um the so obviously jim and and uh patricia have a chance without much else to do obviously on the <laughs> to to for their relationship to grow a little bit um and it seems like that would be you know because now the fact that he she she was a passenger and he was a steward on the boat it doesn't seem to matter as much to everybody except Dwight, the first mate who seems to still have a problem with. Yeah. Seems to him, to, like, I mean, he, he thinks he still has the right to tell Jim kind of what to do and stuff. Right. The boat is like burned to the ground. Like there's no social right. classes. They're literally, you know, trying to survive living yes. off, you know, bananas and water. Yeah. And this guy's still hung up on the stripes he had on his Jersey. Meanwhile, Jim is, you know, Jim and Patricia are, you know, yeah. They're like kind of young, young love. They're figuring yeah. themselves out. And, um, Again, and Jim I, is much is more of, intelligent and resourceful than Dwight as well. Dwight, Dwight's a bit of a dope. 
Right. You get the feeling like Dwight is, had like a relative in the shipping company or something that got him this job. He's yeah. it's not exactly. And again, um, I, I have no interest in this love, you know, and I, I'm, 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 I'm a sucker for a good love story any day or, <laughs> you know, couples meeting like the old doc right. house. Like I love like some of like the, the intermingling of like the characters and the flirting. Mm. Like, I think they did a great job. This to me, this is really flat. Like I have no, I, I don't, I have no, um, I have no yeah. dog in the fight with this. This love. exactly, yeah. Um, you know that that there is definitely not much chemistry there, and that could be the casting. Not saying the actors aren't good, but that could the cat. You know, sometimes you cast two actors, and they talk about the chemistry between them just doesn't work for some reason or another. It's just it's just you know right. pheromonal or whatever, and and the audience can pick up on that. Um, so it might be casting. It might be just you know the story didn't really have enough time to really develop it in a way they don't really have the stakes. I mean, Jim has this kind of thing where he's, is he studying something, right? He's studying medicine or, 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 or something. See, see guys, I normally watch the film right before we, we do the podcast <laughs> and because we, because we had all these delays and technical problems, I haven't watched the film in like two weeks. I'm trying to remember the plot. <laughs> and honestly, we always do our homework. Like, I mean, I, I really I do. I, do. I, have, do I have a bunch of notes. I, I just don't. I, I do too. That. I mean, I spend days, trying to you know yeah. dig into every yeah. website that I can find not only trivia but like behind the scenes stuff there is so little about this film yeah that I yeah, mean, very low um so the, but but you, the, the point of it is that, that the love interest between Jim and Patricia is utilitarian because it it only it only the, the only reason to have it is because the Graham character the Benson Graham character develops his own obsession with with patricia of course uh just like every other man in, it's, in the movie um it's, and it's and, funny and, Jim, and this way we have like a love triangle yeah but and it's and it's not his idea like he's happy in his little chemist lab in the hut doing his thing but it's teneo that kind of brings that idea to him that like oh and he calls it you know the quote the white wife the white oh. wife will help you with your experiments, a white wife will, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So Interesting. You, should, you should marry a white wife. And then all of a sudden he has, well, yeah, I've got, you know, this cute little Patricia Wentworth on, on the Island. But before right. today, we've mentioned that to him. He just seems happy doing his, you know, playing with his beakers. That, it, it's true. It's true. I don't know if he's super motivated that way. Um, so it's interesting. So, so that they've, they found kind of a dugout canoe that the, the other uh, castaways, and they've almost got to the point where they're, uh, yeah, you know, they're stuffing with coconuts and pineapples um, and they're ready to kind of make their escape. But um, but they've been tipped off and the natives come and they grab Jim, um, who, you know, uh, who's who's like, you know, grabbing supplies and stuff and they've taken him away. So now Jim's been abducted or captured or whatever we want to call yeah. it. Um, well, they bring Jim to Graham, right? Yeah. Because I mean, Graham is like, you know, the, the head honcho of the island. So, you know, he almost brought, you know, he's like the judge, jury and executioner. And right gives him this, you know, the quote long sleep of death to oh, Graham. Yeah. So he, you know, and then this is again, part of his facade. So he gives him whatever it is, knocks him, knocks Jim out. So he appears to be dead only so he can then bring him back to life and kind of cement his power uh, with the, the, the tribe. But also this gives him a bargaining chip. So, so Patricia will do whatever he wants it, you know, if, if he promises to, to bring Jim back at some point. Um, uh, oh, so, so Dwight, the first mate guy actually does get to the kind of the, the outrigger canoe thing. Um, and, 
and starts making escape. And one of the natives uh, swims out and kind of grabs him and they fight and stuff. And, and Dwight is, is drowned and we're not exactly heartbroken. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Again, he's kind of a dingus. So yeah. <laughs> well, I guess, funny. I guess the dingus to, to, to likable character ratio in this film is just a little too, too high. <laughs> like, I would agree. Would every agree. film you, you need, you need some characters that you're not going to like, and you need some characters you root for. There's just not enough characters I really want to root for in this. That's right. Story. I mean, characters that you love to hate, and these characters just like, yeah. eh, yeah, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, so it, it, it what's kind of funny in this film, like the tribe, they never seem content with what Graham is able to do. Brings you know, brings Timeo back to life, quote unquote. Right. Then brings Jim back to life, quote unquote. And every time you bring someone back to life, like, okay, yeah, you're the God of life. You're the master and ruler, blah, blah. But they seem to turn on him immediately. It's like, it's the minute someone else goes down, they're like, oh, you bring them back to life or you're going to be thrown in the fire. So it's like, he's, yeah. it's, he's constantly being tested by these, these people. <laughs> you, can't, you just can't please these folks. Right. Exactly. It's, um, yeah. And this is now, um, this is what happens. So now the third person goes down the, um, you know, one of the tribal folks about his name is Barab. And who's legitimately dead? He's, you know, was drowned during right. this whole scuffle. Oh, so, that's right. Yeah. So Barb is brought into um, Graham's, you know, hut, and the tribal leader's like, "Well, no, you bring him back to life, or we're going to throw you in the fire." And now <laughs> Graham has this oh shit look because he knows, you know, the other two, you know, he's able to use the adrenaline and then able to, yeah, you know, yeah. use the but- adrenaline twice. But now he has a legit you know, corpse in front of this him. is, this is the real thing. And he That's starts right. sweating and, and doing everything like that. I love that Graham, he's continued to wear his necktie this whole time. They've been trapped <laughs> in this Island for like a week now or something like that. It's like, Nope, still going to wear my necktie. Yeah. I mean, and again, we don't have to get in all into this, but there's a whole little side plot of um, Graham and Patricia going to be, they're going to be married in, you know, two days and et cetera. Mm-hmm. And like, I, I didn't, I don't care. I didn't care. Like, and it does nothing really to move the plot along at all. Like, I'm not sure why it was even, you know, mentioned, but yeah, there's a whole thing of like, you know, Patricia's going to marry Graham and, right. um, oh God, and Jim's in, Jim's locked up in the, in the cave. He's there. They've got boulders picked up, but then they get him out. He agrees to do this stuff that just, yeah. you know, it, it the, nothing seems inevitable uh in this like like it's inevitable that at the end of frankenstein that that henry and the monster are going to finally meet again and fight right and and that happens so and and so we're satisfied like of course it happens it's poetic right in this it's like nothing ever seems like of course of course that it had to end there there's there's a poetry to it and stuff it's it's again i'll just use the word utilitarian it's like this happens then this happens and this happens and then this happens and yeah there's a story it's okay Again, yeah. I mean, there's no. <laughs> I just used a lot of words to describe. Yeah, I, I get. You it. just put a lot um, more thought into it than you know, maybe the screenwriter. I don't and, know. Yeah, and and then, and then I don't know. You know, they, they get displeased and they basically just grab Graham and and we we sort of see like a bit of a cutaway of a fire. <laughs> yeah, and I guess so, we, we're we're given to understand what happens to him. This is where you know Atwell is just his, he's so good his acting chops. So he knows. He the facade is over. He is not going to yes. be able to bring this corpse back to life. And like you said, Jim, like the camera kind of pans in. He's got those big eyes. Yeah, oh, sweat balls yeah. coming down his. Way. So he knows he's done. He knows he's going to be cooked for dinner. 
Um, yeah, lot, Adwell did that kind of thing very well too. The, the Adwell did like I know I'm I know I'm so so screwed, screwed right? Really well, <laughs> so good. And again, and like, entertaining. Tr- he's entertaining doing that. Like you're happy because he's a villain. You're happy to see like everything's unraveling for him, and he's getting more and more panicked and stuff like that. That's actually enjoyable to watch. Because so good, and we know so, what it. Yeah, I mean, we talk about like man-made monster, like not a fulfilling end to Owl's character. Like this one here, he's basically, you know, he looks like a, a little, you know, like a little lost dog. Who, yeah. like, he's like being dragged off by these like huge muscular tribes, you know, folk to be thrown in. Basically, he's going to be dinner. It's just what a, what a fitting ending to this. He's going to become long pig, as they used to call, uh, <laughs> was, was, was a common term in this part of the world for uh, human beings. When you would cook them and eat them, they called them long pig. Oh, boy. Uh, in this case, he would be five foot nine pig, I guess. <laughs> but he is stocky, so he's stocky, so he's going to feed the whole village, right? Yeah. Put an apple in his mouth and the whole thing. Mm, good eating tonight. Yeah, see, that's, that's called a callback, guys. See that that's how that's how the writing works. You you bring it back. It's okay. Um, uh, immediately on the heels of of you know um, uh, Graham being put to the fu- in the fire. Uh, the the search plane comes back once more and everyone's on the on the uh the the rest of the casters happen to be on the the beach in, in a way that they can actually signal to them and you know here they come and stuff um uh and and they i just gotta say this must be another piece of stock footage because they 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 land the plane on the beach like we have like a, a like a great shot where this plane comes in for a landing it's got wheels. It's not like an ocean plane, but it lands on a beach. Um, it definitely looks like a different type of. It, it doesn't look like the, the type of plane four people could could get into and fly away in, though. It's it's pretty small. This is a two person plane, and the not landing on the beach that they were the the people are on the beach trying to wave down the plane. There's yeah. a lot of st- again, like a lot yeah. of stock footage. This. Oh, yeah, it's a great it's a great shot. I mean, geez, I, I, I kind of want to know what film it's from. If it's like a real or if it's like a training <laughs> film for the Navy or, or what they they got their hands on something. They're like, OK, we have how do we get them on? the So and so then you know they what? get away just in time and the natives come out and they're like, oh, no, they, they flew away in a plane. But this, you know, it happens in, in, in Hollywood today. You know, it's like they have this oh, yeah. great, you know, this great idea of the story. And all you do is, you know, you erase the name Jim and you add, you know, James Bond and you've got a James Bond film. Or, and then, you, you know, I guess my point being is like, this is absolutely a mishmash of, you know, great stock footage from the military, an idea of, you know, some some island, you know, mischief. And then yeah, you throw yeah. in Lionel Atwell and, you know, you've got two days to write a to write a screenplay. It's the, it's the stone soup parable right you know where the guy goes to the village and he's and he's poor and he says like give me a stone and i'll make soup out of it and they give him a stone and he starts making soup and then they're like he's like you know what this needs is some some potatoes and they give him potatoes and you know it just needs some carrots and stuff and so he ends up just making soup but he he calls it stone soup so anyway it's a it's 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 that kind of thing you just you you, you work with what you got and you throw it all together and you know and hey we have mad Mon- mad doctor of, of market street it's market great. street um, and atwell's always a pleasure to, to watch he's you know mm-hmm. he's so good but yeah this one is um you know not he's it, th- this film is a lot thinner than atwell is put it that way or <laughs> there's not a lot here guys it's not much longer either it's only an no, hour long no. um you know it's uh yeah it, it it's really funny um you know it, it's it's interesting to do uh, this era of film I, I just have this one note that there's a shot where he's going to give an injection to, I think it's Jim when he's bringing him back and they cut away before you see him like plunge the needle. And you realize like 
Universal was making dozens and dozens of horror films in an era where you couldn't show a hypodermic needle being put into somebody's arm in a film, right? I mean, the the restrictions they especially post, you know, Hayes Code, right? Like what 30, 36 or so after that. Um uh 34, whatever. The the restrictions they were that Universal was up against and the way they still managed to create a horror industry that that now is a multi-billion dollar a year industry with you know films cartoons toys tv you know you know it's true i mean you think like it's everything yeah it's it's amazing you think like black hat and this is just one of one of the most brutal scenes probably ever i mean certainly in early in early you know horror i go back to the scene where kaloff is being whipped and you know basically have his skin cut off right right by lugosi like that is to your point jim fast forward eight years later you know post haze and you can't even show like a little injection. Exactly. Uh, the, the, the limitations forced upon them and, and the way Universal was still able to create entertainment that was kind of chilling more than outright gory and horrifying. You know, I mean, I think, I think it's a reason you start getting a lot of films like Mad Doctor of Market Street and, and House of Horrors and, and stuff, uh, Man Made Monster. Um, uh, because they had to be resourceful because there were things that they did in the early era of their of, of universal horror that they weren't going to be able to do anymore. And so now we have to figure out how to, how to, you know, negotiate around those, those parameters now. Yeah. Um, I mean, the European ban, you know, with horror, yeah. like they were losing a oh, lot yeah. of potential, a lot of, losing a lot of money. Yeah. 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 Right. yeah. Hard, yeah. hard to do. So, so yeah. the idea was to do films that would had the least chance of getting uh, cited, you know, and, and, and banned in England and, and other in Europe and other countries where they're doing. So, um, well, we got through that one. <laughs> Yeah, and this one was pretty vanilla. They're not a whole lot. Besides Aunt Margaret taking off a shirt and waving down the plane, this one is pretty tame. Yeah, so, that could have gone somewhere, but oh well. Um, but this uh, one's okay. But, you can watch it. Watch it with the kids. You're not gonna. There's not gonna be any blush worthy moments. But no. Um, again, if you're if you're an Atwell fan, if you're just a diehard, you know, you can't see enough of them. You know, check it out. It's not. It's not the worst thing you're you're ever gonna see. But you know, I don't know. If I was you know again cleaning the house, or if I was like maybe editing a podcast. I might put this on like an endless loop just as a little background noise. Right, right on. Just just to be going and stuff like that. He's yeah. got some good chilling dialogue and in, in it and stuff. And it does, it is, it's interesting. It goes someplace where it starts on this rain in this rainy, cold looking urban, you know, setting, and then it ends up in the tropics. So that the movie gets <laughs> gets you some places. Um, I, I feel like somehow it's a prequel to Bella Lugosi meets a Brooklyn gorilla. I feel like it's almost <laughs> the same setting and yeah. kind of thing, the way that that film and that film actually I think starts there and then goes to the city right because they bring the act to to, to right downtown. it's kind of it's kind of reversed right exactly yeah, exactly so we're gonna have to cover that one at some point because that's I, in the interest of being completists right we, we will we should, do we and it do has bella lugosi and a gorilla so i'm in it has bella lugosi and girl you can't I'm go in. wrong with that so all right Absolutely. hey guys thanks very much for uh checking out the borgo pass horror podcast episode mad doctor of market street uh if we can't highly recommend it again we it, it's it's worth it's worth an hour of your life i'll say that you could do worse things put it that way exactly if you're a universal <laughs> fan absolutely check it out but anyway thank you jim that was fun thanks man i appreciate it you All guys right. have a good time thanks for tuning in boga pass horror podcast we'll talk to you soon hopefully with a better movie goodbye that's right see you next time <laughs> bye thank you for listening to this episode but the fun does not stop here You can follow and interact with the show's hosts and listeners online 
on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. The Borgo Pass Horror Podcast is a presentation of Shadow Camera Film and Entertainment. This episode was edited by Livio Marino. The music was composed by Sean Gould. Opening and closing narration are by me, Kat Herons. Show titles and graphics created by Jim Towns. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time on the Borgo Pass Horror Podcast. Podcast.